Hello and welcome to the State News Sports Roundtable. I'm your host, Eli McGowan. Today, we're here to talk about some Michigan State men's hoops and some Big Ten college hoops. Joined by our men's basketball beat reporters, Jared Ramsey and Sean Ryder. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing great, Eli. How are you? Living the dream. We are living the dream. It's NFL playoff time. I'm just, I'm in a zone. That's where we're at right now. Jared, how about you? I can't complain. Honestly, we had the day off today. Michigan State basketball is gracious enough to push back the availability to tomorrow. So it was truly a day off from school and work. So it's been a nice reset day for me. That's what we like to hear. I spent the day at the office. So, you know, way she goes. You know, there's just not much <laughs> you can do. But we're here to grinder, Eli. That's it. We're, I'm just, there's, just nothing you can do, you know. So we're here to talk Michigan State men's hoops, who as of this moment, is fresh off of a loss against a pesky Northwestern squad. They took down Michigan State at home despite missing their best player, Pete Nance. Weird game, kind of a funky one. I don't know if we want to hop into that recap first. Jared, if you want to give your thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, it was, if you want a more in-depth analysis than what we're providing, go read Sean and I's stories on the State News website. But it was kind of just, they, they kind of just broke down offensively and defensively in this game and it's kind of been trending towards this where Michigan State doesn't do enough of the little things down the stretch to be able to pull out a game that they otherwise should have lost and you got to give all the credit to Northwestern honestly they came in without Pete Nance and they just outworked MSU from start to finish Ryan Young had 18 points I don't I think pretty sure that's a season high not sure if that's his career high but he was dominating Michigan State inside. Marcus Bingham had another another game where he struggled. And I don't know. It just seemed like MSU was kind of a shell of what they were earlier in the season. Sean, what, what about you? I mean, that's the perfect way to put it. I mean, they really were a shell of themselves while also having all the hallmarks of what has hamstrung this team on, on display. I mean, what, 17 total turnovers and – they were very much the give it away type of turnovers. They weren't steals of any sort for the most part. Can't let Ryan Young take over in crunch time and win the game on back-to-back and ones essentially. For the most part, just looked like almost casual in the beginning of the game. Like it's like what they said, they're kind of just walking around the court, not really doing a whole lot, not really doing a whole lot. And they got bit for it. And you were right. They were trending towards that. Joey Hauser's buzzer beater against Minnesota delayed this, but now it's came and it's officially bit them. It's it's it was an interesting game to kind of watch from home. I thought I, I I was only able to catch the second half, but it just seemed like this was a game that Northwestern wanted a bit more than what Michigan State did. There's a lot of an effort thing, and you know for Northwestern, I mean this is do or die time for them. I believe they're nine and eight after this game. So if they want any shot at making an NCAA tournament berth of any kind, they're going to have to really turn it down to here the stretch. And that's their best player. They played a great game I thought but I really thought this was a little bit more about like you guys said giving it up Michigan State kind of giving this one up it didn't feel like it was a game that and credit to Northwestern absolutely for winning this game but didn't feel like it was necessarily a game where Northwestern muddied, muddied it up that bad it seemed like a lot of it was just sloppy and it just you know get in this a little bit in a little bit but I mean the first half of this Big Ten schedule hasn't been all that daunting and you know, it really just felt like it was only a matter of time before the way they were playing was going to eventually catch up to them as, you know, things are going to get tougher here. So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes going forward. But here we Yeah, are. I mean, Michigan State 
right now is sitting at five and one in the Big Ten. And I don't know about you guys, but I would say the hardest team they've played is Minnesota, who they beat twice. But it's two games against Minnesota. It's two games against Northwestern. It's a game against Penn State, and it's a game against Nebraska, all of whom are trying their darndest to make sure they can make the NIT, let alone the NCAA tournament. I do think that they have a lot of chances too. Those teams do have a lot of chances in the Big Ten to make the, that climb, but MSU is not playing world beaters by any means over the last two, three weeks, and they and their play has just been deteriorating. Yeah, and it's an awkward spot. You guys are right. It's not a daunting schedule, but this year, I mean, like, and like you've heard Izzo say, you've heard players talk about it, kind of regurgitating, but it is true. I mean, there's no gimme games in the Big Ten anymore. Like Northwestern used to be, back in the day, very easily a biggie game. Penn State to a degree. I mean, Penn State's out here playing Ohio State close now, but Grand Ohio State is one of the weirder dynamics in the Big Ten, albeit very good, but I don't know. You, you go down this list of games here coming up, you know, you went down the list before, but if you look at just their next three games as an example, travel to Madison, Wisconsin, the Cole Center, that's, that's one of the hardest places in the country to play. Go down to Champaign, which I, I want to side note here, Champaign, watching games at Illinois are the weirdest experiences I have ever had. Like just the dark atmosphere of that building on TV. Am I the only one that has this experience? Is it just me? No, I, I completely understand. I was watching the game today and I was like, the, the shadows are very weird in that building. It's, it's, it's a weird building. I, I'm still not over it. Then you play Michigan, who's struggled this season, but still is a very talented squad. And it's always a hard team in a rivalry matchup. You go to Maryland, which Maryland's, you know, not, they're not playing extremely well by any means this year without, you know, they fire Mark Turgeon like at the beginning of the season and it's a weird year for them, but still a talented team. It's still on the road in the big 10, not going to be easy. Then you're going to the rack Rutgers. Is it even, isn't it not called the rack anymore? Or just it's like the Jersey Mike sub arena, something like that. Yeah. It's the Jersey Mike arena. Just it'll always be the rack. Always. But then back to Wisconsin, Indiana at Penn state, Illinois, at Iowa, home against Purdue, at Ohio State, and then you finish the season at home in Maryland. It's a, it's a tough stretch. And, I mean, MSU coming into the Big Ten schedule was one of the hotter teams in the country. They beat three really good – or two really good teams down in the Bahamas. They And then looked very competitive against Baylor, who might be the best team in the country for 25 minutes before things started to fall apart. And they just kind of need to get back to that. And I think having a week off and having this kind of wake-up call punch in the face from Northwestern could be that answer. But I guess we won't know until Friday night. Yeah. And, I mean, like, everybody kind of jumped on it after it became clear, all right, like, they're going to drop this game Northwestern. They did. And then everybody's posted on Twitter. I threw it in my article. The first time they've lost Northwestern at home since January 21st, 2009, that was a Final Four team different dynamic between the teams. I mean, Jared's column detailed this perfectly, but if this team wants to win, they got to play a certain band of, brand of basketball. It's Michigan State. Defend, rebound, and run. Just get after there. So what is those set on Saturday is that they're going to go through five days of hell, more or less, in practice to try and get these things figured out. I don't know if that's going to be enough to prolong, 
I don't know. I think this next six game stretch, if they go three and three, I think that'll be outstanding, honestly, because they're going to a bunch of hard road environments and they're playing really, I mean, Johnny Davis, Wisconsin, that's a national player of the year candidate. That's going to be tough. Yeah. And like the problems that MSU had or have had like turnovers, not rebound, being able to get a wide rebounding margin, despite being bigger than most teams they play. In the past, MSU's, MSU teams have had these issues. Like two years ago, Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman-led team had the had some of these issues. They turned the ball over a lot. But there were playmakers on the, those teams that kind of elevated up and brought the team to a different level so they could not – they didn't have to play the best defense. They didn't have to dominate the boards. And I don't know if this Michigan State team has those guys the same level where they can just win on offense or just win a different way than how Izzo wants them to play. And so I think they really need to get back to that imposing, imposing themselves. This, this, this isn't a team that has a, has a Cassius Winston. I, I, I think Max Christie has the talent to become that kind of guy, but to ask him of that, ask him that his freshman season's too much. I think Gabe Brown, I think has showed moments where he can hit the clutch shot he can, you know, make the right play and make the right defensive, you know, make a good defensive play down the stretch. But to be the guy that just be like, all right, in Northwestern, where team's slouching off today, the team's not, you know, playing up to performance, we turn the ball over a lot. There's not a guy you can just give the ball to and say, go get a bucket. And just, he's going to do it like a Cassius Winston could. And that's, I mean, Cassius Winston was the, I mean, arguably one of the greatest bas- Michigan State basketball players there's been in terms of everything he did. So that's that's not, you know, it's not a slight on any of them on the team, I don't think. It's just there's some things that you can't just make up like you have in the past, and I don't even know that you have a playmaker on this team that was even on his level, near his level. Yeah, I think it's realistic to, I mean, expect Gabe Brown to be that guy. And as you said, he's shown it. I mean, high point. He, that was a close game going in the second half, and then he started raining down some threes, and that flipped the game more or less. And Nebraska running around, made some great plays. Just whether or not how soon that can happen is the question at this point. And there's other things to work through with the roster as well. I mean, Hauser put together two nice games back-to-back and then right back to really not playing all that well against Northwestern more or less. But Yeah, but, I mean, the team's still 14-3. and three. I don't want this to be an entire podcast where we're just pointing out the the flaws. I mean, they are still one of the best shooting teams in the country. They're second in the Big Ten in three-point percentage, and they're first in Big Ten games in three-point percentage. And that's really been the saving grace in a lot of these close games, the shooting from Gabe Brown, Max Christie, things like that. And I think if they can continue to shoot like that, get a little bit back to their roots defensively, how they were playing at the beginning of the year, like Butler, UConn, any of those games where they dominated defensively and continued to shoot the ball well, who knows? But over the last two weeks, they haven't shown that whatsoever. It's gonna yeah. be- and I'm like – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ryder. And I, I think I'm being – I am probably being a little too negative on this, but I think it's fair to say that, yeah, like the shooting's been great. And if they do get back to the brand of basketball, I mean, that's just a whole other higher ceiling for them to reach. And that's, that's going to be a dangerous team 100%. But – whether or not it happens soon, we're going to see. Yeah, it is easy to kind of dunk on them. But I think this, to me, this Northwestern team is actually a bit, you know, they've gone through a rough stretch of games. But, I mean, this was a team when they first met 
only had, I don't know if they had one or two losses yet. You know, they've had a rough stretch of games down, down the stretch here, but I still think it's a solid, okay basketball team. This isn't the end of the world losing this game, as you guys just said. So be interesting. It's just it, it is going to be really tough down the stretch here. And as Ryder said, if you go three and three in this next set of six games, you're still in pretty good shape. You still won against probably against three really good basketball teams. So it's going to be interesting. I One thing I want to bring up a little bit here is I think there's two guys in particular that come to mind with this. And that is Bleak Hall and Julius Marble, who on the offensive end in particular have been incredibly efficient in a couple, like Bleak Hall's three-point percentage is all close to 60, if not above 60% on the season. And Julius Marble did not miss a basket in the entire game against Northwestern, had a career high. So I want to get your thoughts on these two guys and whether you think we could see a minutes increase for them going down the stretch and what their role and kind of things could be for them on the offensive end as they really try to find some consistency on that end. I think it's fair to say you could see a minutes increase for Marble for sure in this stretch because it appears from what everything Izzo said, Bingham kind of appears to be in Izzo's doghouse right now. Izzo even said the whole situation with him and Bingham is kind of an enigma. So definitely I would expect that unless Bingham brings greater energy, gets back to that, you know, more aggressive, more dominant version that surpassed all expectations earlier in the season. Hall, I'm not sure about. Jared, I'd like your input on it too. But I mean, I think he's dead set to still keep starting Hauser. He's committed to the ball movement that they have when he's in. And yeah, it's not a bad tool to have Hall come in and maximize every single touch he gets on the offensive end. But still, I mean, that is their best lineup if you slot out Hauser and you put in Hall more or less. And you have Bingham being Bingham, actually. Yeah. I To touch on the Bingham subject, he did have COVID about three weeks ago. And other guys that had COVID, like Max Christie, they seem to have bounced back better. But ever since he came back, Bingham seemed like a step behind or just not at the same level he was, like leading the country in blocks before he got sick. So hopefully, I don't know if it's a mental thing with that or physically he doesn't feel the same, but hopefully he can get back to the level he was showing at the beginning of the year because I truly no one expected Bingham to have such a great start to the year and be arguably MSU's best player. And so if he can get back to that, who knows if he will. I do think Julius probably deserves a minutes increase, especially after the Northwestern game whether it's 50-50 between them or Marble's getting more minutes, I still think they're going to roll with Bingham as the starter. And then for Hall, it's interesting because Hauser gets a lot of praise from the coaching staff for doing all the things that the team's struggling in, playing defense, rebounding, what have you. He might not, not have done that that effectively against Northwestern, but throughout the season, he's been very good at being kind of an anchor for this team, even if he hasn't shot the ball that well. But Malik Hall is the team's best shooter this year, like by far and away. In conference, I have the numbers pulled up. In conference, he's shooting 67% to, from the two-point on two-point shots and 53% on three-point field goals. And that's actually kind of a dip. Overall, he's shooting fit, almost 56%. So, I mean, he, the dude's just filling it up right now, just simply put. And when he's out there, he looks like he's in complete control. And I think he could be a guy, like when the offense is struggling, that you kind of just need to ride him, keep dumping the ball inside for that 10 to 15 foot turnaround he has, or 
pick and pops with Tyson Walker, which have been effective. I, I think they need to start using Malik Hall a lot more creatively, especially offensively. I'd agree with that. I mean, and really Hall's versatility. I mean, again, we talk about higher ceiling. That's one way that you can access that higher ceiling if you get the most out of that. And whether they'll make that decision or not, who knows? But I mean, that seems like a pretty clear answer at this point. It does, it does feel to me, and I want to give a lot of credit to Hauser, who has battled a lot of adversity through the, the it's, it's from its own fan base, which has been quite ridiculous. And Hauser, I think he's done a really good job, and I think he gets a lot of just uh, way too much criticism for what he actually is. He's kind of become the scapegoat. And I actually think he's, like you said, the past couple of games, he's actually played quite well in a few of these games. I think the shooting hasn't quite been there, but I mean, you see the guy shoot in practice. You've seen this guy, he's got a clean stroke. He can shoot the, shoot the ball. It's just, he's got to, you know, get out of his own way, his own head a little bit, I think. And I think that'll come around, but it just does feel like to me that Malik Hall brings a little bit more to that offensive end. I think Ant can hold his own defensively as well. So I'm going to be interested to see if at some point they do make that switch. If they, you know, especially if in big 10 play here down the, this gauntlet, if they end up reaching a point where they're losing a couple of games, maybe they consider switching it up. Marble, I think, will get a minutes increase, but I think until he can consistently prove that he can play on the defensive end, it's probably going to take a bit. He's got some growing to do there still, especially on ball screens and things like that, where he's really got to grow a bit. It'll be interesting to see, but I am excited to see these two kind of continue to grow. They're both juniors now, which is kind of crazy. I feel like it still feels like they're pretty young, but they're a year away from graduating, which is kind of wild to think about. But um, be interesting to see how this kind of weighs itself out. Yeah, and I mean, they started Hall, too, down in the Bahamas um, when Bingham was a little banged up and the team looked great. It'd be, it'll just be interesting to see if they – or if in the lineups with both of them out there together, Hauser and Hall, have been effective besides the last five minutes of the Northwestern game. But there's a lot of things that went wrong that game, not just the small ball lineup. Yeah. I don't think you could pin that loss on entirely just one thing. That's true. But – I don't know. Those two guys, if they can step up and play the roles, it's going to be pretty good basketball coming up soon. Well, with that, let's move on to our little fun segment here we have at the end that is a we're throwing it back a little bit. A couple of years ago, we did this with the men's basketball beat reporter. Ceiling or floor with some Big Ten squads. We're here halfway through the Big Ten gauntlet. Got another two months to go. Got some interesting things coming up. I, I Let's Let's move from the bottom of the way up for listeners here. What we'll be doing is talking about the ceiling of some of these squads and the floors of how, so how well we think we can do, how, how, what's the highest point they can accomplish and the lowest. Let's go ahead and crank out a couple of these here at the bottom, Nebraska. The ceiling is the floor for Nebraska basketball. Bryce McGowan's fun. He's a good player. I like watching him. Yeah, and they they played pretty good basketball. I mean, last week they played Illinois pretty tight, and then Illinois pulled away. But I I don't know. I how many years is Hoiberg having his contract left? I'm just not sure. This is it's. They thought they could recreate the Iowa State magic, and it's just not. It's working. not panning out. No. And I think Fred Hoiberg is a good basketball coach at the college level. I think he's a very coach personally at the college level. And college level is key. You had to differentiate there. there yes, we the college but, level, he's a very good coach. His time in Chicago, well, we don't talk about that. <laughs> but he he is a very good I just think Nebraska is just one of those programs, especially in, for basketball, that's just 
it's not a place you can win. I just, I don't know if it is. It's just, I don't you know. need the absolute perfect storm to happen. And even then, you're still not going to be at the top of the Big Ten by any means. It's going to be more of like how Northwestern made the tournament a few years ago rather than, oh, my God, Nebraska's 26-5 and five and won the Big Ten one seed in the Midwest. I, I, I would personally say their ceiling is like eight wins. They're 6-13 and 13 right now. And their floor is definitely just staying at six wins. You think there's like diehard Nebraska basketball fans out there, like guys that like don't care about Nebraska football, but just love Nebraska basketball, like can't get enough of it. I hope I, not for their sake. I, I, I love it. Not. <laughs> it's. I just think like to maximize Nebraska, I just feel like the only way you could do it is just get lucky with a handful of like mid-major transfers, or and just then, start cheating so hard. Just drop yeah. the bag on all these guys. Like, that's just – you're going to have to get lucky on a few of these mid-major transfers. Like, you get a guy from Bradley. You pick up a guy from Illinois State. You go down – you know, like, you just get a handful of those dudes, and then it just kind of – they just click. And that's just – I just feel like that's all you can get at Nebraska. I just feel like that's, like, the best-case scenario. But I do think, like, there's going to be some Missouri Valley Conference team that gets Fred Hoiberg in, like, a couple seasons when this Nebraska experiment doesn't work out. And he's probably going to take him to a turn to the tournament. Yeah, I can see that. Like I feel it, like there has just, to be like a seven-two kid growing up in the Omaha area, whose his parents went to Nebraska, and like his dream is to put on the red and the red and white and play for the Huskers. And like, they, whatever, like Iowa, crap. Iowa always finds these random farm boys that plays play for him. Like, yeah, like I. I feel like Nebraska is not tapping in to their full in-state in other surrounding states for recruiting. But they need I don't to get Runza. They need to get Runza involved with the NIDL deals. They need to yeah. get that Runza money. The ground beef, the lettuce, the bread. Bring it to Nebraska basketball. Save the program. You're you're absolutely right. Let's. Just, you know, between that and Nebraska, I have a lot of opinions on Nebraska football, and a lot of them are actually exactly the same as Nebraska basketball. I just think it's just <laughs> completely irrelevant. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll save that for another podcast because I could go on for hours about Nebraska athletics, surprisingly. But next on the standings list, we have Maryland sitting at 9-8, and 1-5 and five in conference. I'll probably put their – ceiling at five finishing the season 500 and i'll probably put their floor as like they're challenging nebraska for worst team in the big 10 because they the team's just not talented fats russell is really fun to watch they can put up points but like they they don't play defense they very inconsistent with their shooting i don't know i i'm not a believer in the terps this year yeah, I see floor. They easily finished below 500. I mean, easily below. And you're right. I mean, Fats Russell is fun to watch. Eric Ayala, that's a dude. I like watching him too. But they're very resigned to this being a sort of rebuilding year. They hamstrung themselves with firing Turgeon. What, Manning's the coach now? Danny Manning? Yeah. yeah. Um, who knows if he's going to be the guy to come back. And I think ceiling, one sitting nine and eight, six and five. Oh, wait, no, nine, eight, one, and five. Yeah, I think 500 is a good enough spot to put them, but it's it's going to be tough skating, College Park. It's going to be tough skating. I think they can surprise the team in the conference champ, conference, you know, tournament a little bit, maybe 
because they said Fats Russell's a dude. Like that guy can play basketball. You know, he's been he's he's kind of played in a few different spots. I think he's a great he's a good point guard. So I think anytime you get down to March, you have a good point guard. You can do a little bit of something, but maybe but I don't see them sniffing the NIT. I don't see them getting anywhere near anything. So yeah, I'm just not high on Terps, but. This was an interesting one. Minnesota, who is 10 and 5, but prior to getting into the Big Ten, was undefeated in the non conference, uh, 9 and 0 with a non con, 1 and 5 in conference. So, what do we think about the Golden Gophers? I think, I mean, Minnesota, I think, has been the best Big Ten team that MSU has played this year. I'd put them above Northwestern, even though the Wildcats pulled it out. But I'd probably, so tough. I'd probably put their ceiling at like. 16 17 wins i think they'll be able to clean up the lower part of the big 10 i don't know if they'll be able to challenge like Purdue's illinois of the world but they they could make a run for the ncaa tournament but i'll probably put their ceiling as an a, a good nit team and then I floor, oh sorry i didn't mean to cut you off sorry no you can do floor i'm sorry about that <laughs> floor floor i mean they just kind of hang out in the bottom four of the big 10 they have to play all five days if they want to make the NCAA tournament type energy. Yeah, and, I think ceiling is absolutely fair at them being a good NIT team. They're way better than that one and five record suggests. I mean, they're a tough team to play. So I think that's a good ceiling floor. I think they're still better than bottom four, honestly. I think they will string some wins together at this point, but have been hamstrung early. But I mean, battles a dude, fun to watch as well, and had some good moments against Mission State. So uh, trust it. Curry, has, do, have we got an update? Do we know if he's okay after what happened against MSU? Let me look this up because I'm curious too. I could, I can go into mine. I, I actually think this is a team that could sneak into the tournament. I like Battle a lot. I like the Willis kid too. Um, I think they, they've got a halfway decent squad. I don't think this is a team that's going to make the tournament, but I do think they could sneak in if they can string together some games, if they can – clean up against like the, you know, be the top of the bottom half of the big 10, be around, finish around, you know, seventh, six, seventh, eighth, somewhere finishing there, sneak out a win against a Purdue in Illinois, Wisconsin or Ohio state, sneak out a couple, get a good resume, win 18, 19 games. I think they could sneak in there, but I think floor, this is kind of an NIT team. They'll finish around close to 500 and kind of just be in that kind of area. So. Curry was out yesterday against Iowa. Brutal. So got another interesting one here, Michigan. I'd say their floor is like, I don't know, this is the hardest one by far. They're seven and seven right now. I'd say their floor is probably hanging around, like getting one by in the Big Ten tournament, but not getting two. Probably in that like five to eight range. They just don't have a point guard. And like Devontae Jones is not – what Smith was last year for him. They're really missing Franz Wagner's secondary playmaking. Caleb Houston hasn't lived up to the billing as being one of the best players in the country. Uh, I, I, They have the most talented team in the Big Ten from just stars from recruiting websites. But when you watch them, it just doesn't seem like they're out there to compete every single night. And I don't know if that's on the coaches or the players, but I don't know. They, I mean, they did look decent against Illinois, but they still got smoked. So I'll probably put their ceiling as a tournament team, probably like six to eight. I don't know if they can do better than that seeding-wise unless they just went out. And then their floor is good NIT team. Yeah, I, I think Illinois was 
that game against Illinois was extremely encouraging because, I mean, they did play really hard in the first half. And that was with a very depleted roster. You can't overlook the COVID problems with this team. I mean, what? It was Michigan and then Purdue canceled. And I think that's the extent of the issues with the program mm-hmm. COVID-wise. But I think I think ceiling, they finish maybe like eight and eight in conference. I think that's like I think that's real. Wait, eight and sorry, ten and eight in conference. Doing bad math. I think they could maybe do that. I'm looking at the schedule now. I don't really have any bad away games, with the exception of Purdue. I was not that okay. Wisconsin's not a good away game to have either. But Andy Slanting. Andy Slanting. Keep forgetting. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that's a good ceiling. And then I don't know with. It was encouraging to see them play against Illinois, but if they revert back to what they were doing before, the bottom could be really, really bad for this team. This could be a pretty ugly floor. I don't think it takes away any confidence the program might have in Juwan. I think this is just unfortunate year. The pieces aren't clicking like they were supposed to. But Tremendous respect for Juwan Howard, what he's been able to do in a short time here. But I think this is a team who can be around that that 8-9 slot if things kind of go their way here. But again, a lot of talent just doesn't seem to be meshing well. The point guard issue, kind of similar to Michigan State in a little bit of a way, just trying to find some consistency there. And it just isn't – it's not really coming up. So just think this can be the floor of a really good NIT team. And But I never don't rule out this team for maybe even like when you get into March, maybe they continue to struggle and they're like 500 or below 500, you know, around 500, like 15, 16 wins. And and then all of a sudden they get to the big 10 tournament and they string together four four or five wins. And all of a sudden they sneak into the tournament and then they're a team that nobody wants to see because they're playing, they're all of a sudden clicking really well. So time will tell, get through these next couple here quickly. So we can get to the top half here, Northwestern. I'd say ceiling. Seven seed in the NCAA tournament. Floor barely misses at the NIT because they're below 500. I think I, I think I'd agree with that too. I think they desperately needed this win, the one that they had on Saturday against Michigan State, because they lost their first four big time games. Oh, I think so. No way. They, they were one and four. Yeah, they're one and four. All right, two and four now. You got some obviously big time schedules tough, but I could see them effectively making the tournament, but. Gonna have to play really well down the stretch, but yeah, I think the win shows they can do that. I think that at most this is a team that is like in the play-in rounds, the Big Ten of the NCAA tournament, kind of makes it into that first round or whatever where they're playing against. Like it feels like inevitably. I haven't, I haven't really paid attention too close to me. I might be way off the mark here. I haven't seen how Syracuse has been playing, but it just feels like they're gonna play like a Syracuse in that first round or something like that. That just feels right. Syracuse like hasn't been bad this year. Better than how well they usually are in the regular season. Syracuse? What? Or am I, am I thinking of a – Syracuse is bad. Am I thinking of the bottom of the ACC? Are they really? They can't defend let me, it. Let me look at it. I So, for everyone at home, I was telling – No, I, I take everything I said back. They're bad. They are not really – I don't know bad. what made me think that. <laughs> I apologize. For all for listeners at home, I have, I have a theory that – for this year, I usually spend all year binging college basketball. It's usually like the thing I binge the most, but I spent a lot of effort in college football this year binging for the most part. So my plan, game plan is this year, instead of binging and trying to go into March Madness, watching the whole season, have a full picture, just going to see what teams are playing hot in March and see how I feel about these teams in March with not a lot of things. So I've not been paying attention to much outside of the Big Ten at this point. So we're going to see how this goes, but we're giving it a tr- the old college try. 
Apparently, so. I haven't been paying attention either because what the what was I thinking of? Eli's gonna like pop out in March, be like, God, Gonzaga's having a great season. <laughs> <laughs> Good for them. Good for that. That guy seems legit. <laughs> so next we have Penn State, eight and seven in the year, three and four in conference. When I'd Michigan it, State, oh sorry. Oh no no no. Um, I was just gonna say I'd put their ceiling maybe making the NIT and then their floor probably hanging out with Nebraska down at the bottom of the Big Ten. But they have been playing better recently. And I didn't see the game against the most recent game against Ohio State. And they played really good defense. Ohio State only scored 61. But I just don't know if they have enough guys, enough scorers to be able to hang in night in, night out. They only play seven dudes in total anyways. Yeah. When Michigan State played them, I, I mean, that was mid-December, I want to say, a little, maybe a little earlier than that. I watched that team and I was like, this team is dog water. This is not a good basketball team. This is probably the worst Big Ten team I have seen all year. But yeah, they've turned it around. They've played Purdue pretty well at Mackey. They played Ohio State pretty nicely. And I think there's a lot of credit to do there. I don't get the only playing seven guys deal that really puts this feeling way off, even though they can play and have shown that they can play well. So I think they could be a solid NIT team. I don't think they're going to be, I make a pretty big run in the NIT regardless. And I think floor just miss postseason basketball in general, but encouraging not dog water anymore. Yeah. I just, this roster just doesn't do it for me. I just don't, I think at most they sneak into the NIT. I think at worst, again, they could finish as low as I, I don't, I don't think they can get below Nebraska, but it just feels like they're going to have to win five games to me. I'm just not impressed by much of this roster. Again, they play tough, and I think they they played hard. They have a weird situation kind of going on with that program right now. So it'll be interesting, but I'm, I'm just not sold. So Yeah, I like what new coach Michael Shrewsbury is doing, but it's going to be a multi-year process for sure. Next, we have Indiana. Three and three. Really and weird three, team. 12 and four. Really, really weird dynamic. I like what Woodson's done there. They started what, like eight and I want to say seven and yeah. And they, I mean, they got dudes, but ceiling. I, I, I don't think they make the tourney. Honestly, I don't think they pull it. What's the record of conference again? Three and three. No, I, I think they, I think they're like a near lock for the NIT. They're just a bizarre basketball team. Don't they have like a really bad away record too? They're undefeated yeah. at home, but they They're are one and four away. I mean, They're one and four on the road, eleven and zero at home. Yeah, they they lost to Syracuse. <laughs> Who that was a ridiculous game too? That was a wild game. Trace Jackson Davis had thirty-one points, sixteen rebounds. Yeah, I don't I, know, man. I, wow. I think their next game, their next game is at home against Purdue. That's going to dictate how their season turns out, in my opinion. If if they get destroyed by Purdue, like most teams do, they're probably going to fade down the stretch. If they can put up a fight or even somehow squeak out a win, I, I like their chances a lot to make the tournament, but I do think a lot rides on this game against Purdue because it's their rival. They've always put a lot of stock into this game. But I'd probably say ceiling, like – low NCAA seed and then floors NIT 
Yeah, I, I, I just don't think this team I, – I like Trace Jackson Davis a lot. I'm interested to see how he can kind of play down the stretch here. I think he's an all-Big Ten guy. I think they could sneak into the tournament, but I just – I'm not really fully – bought into that yet i gotta see some wins on the road a favorable schedule they do do have a favorable schedule it's not a bad schedule down the stretch here outside of purdue the only other ranked teams that plays illinois michigan state wisconsin ohio state and then at purdue to end the season so it's nothing bad but time will tell on that one i'm just not completely sold on them iowa that uh, they're the indiana of the west for me (laughs) they're another team that i just don't understand Keegan Murray is one of the best scorers in the country. His twin brother Chris is pretty damn good too. I I've I've seen like two Iowa games this year, and they they're a fun team to watch. I don't necessarily think they're good defensively. They look a little lost sometimes. So I'd probably say yeah, like six to nine seed in the tournament and the, for their ceiling, and then NIT for the floor. I'm gonna come out strong in Iowa. I think they stink. I don't think they played anybody in non-conference. They put, I mean, what, what? Longwood, UMKC, North Carolina Central, Alabama State, Western Michigan. No offense. All credit to the Broncos, but not a good team this year. I mean, that Virginia loss is going to do nothing for their resume. I mean, got boat raced by Wisconsin. I, I think they stink. They're all offense. Great. Fantastic. But you need some semblance of defense to win in the Big Ten. And Kemp Palm's got them at 160 right now. Yeah, number three offense is sweet, but I don't know. I, I think they stink. I think they're feeling – I could see them not making a tournament. I could see them really coming in and getting waxed down the stretch here. So I, I'll throw them in the NIT, but that's a ceiling maybe, but I, I don't think they make the tournament. And, and floor, whatever. They shoot a lot of threes. It's fun. I, no, I'm, I'm not in. Don't like Iowa this year. Strong take on Iowa. All right. I I think the Hawkeyes have a solid offense. Again, the defense thing is just think after like however many years, you think they'd figure it out that maybe they need to play some semblance of defense, bring in a coach or do something. What is Fran doing? I, like I, Fran I, and Kirk, I, like they won't change. I don't well, understand. Kirk will that. change, but in bad ways. <laughs> it just not continues true. to be bad. But I look looking at the schedule, it's not all that daunting down the stretch. You only have to play Illinois once. You only have to play Michigan State once. You only have to play Ohio State once. You only have to play Purdue once. So you don't have to play Illinois a second time here, but you only have to play Wisconsin once. So, and you already played Wisconsin. And the rest of them, they get to play Nebraska twice. They get to play Maryland twice, Michigan twice. I mean, there's a lot of winnable games on the schedule. So I think they, they get into the tournament, but I don't see them going very far. So time will tell. Next, somehow, is the Purdue Boilermakers, 4-2 and two in conference, 15-2 and two overall. I mean, I think this is pretty easy to say. Purdue is a national championship contender. That's their ceiling. If Jaden Ivey continues to play well and their big men continue to dominate, they should win the Big Ten. And then on their floor, if they refuse to keep playing, refuse to play defense like they have in the past two weeks, I mean, who knows? Uh, First-round exit to a scrappy 13 seed or something like that. But, I, I mean, they're going to be a high seed in the tournament, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – the conference record right now does not illustrate it. But, yeah, this team could win a national championship. It's obviously going to need some luck in seeding, routes and whatnot. But they could win a national championship. That's absolutely the ceiling. I mean, Edie, 
but his development has been a blast to watch, honestly. Floor, I think they're too talented for a first round exit. So I would ship them to the second weekend and somewhere in there. I'm going to be quick with this one. I think Floor of the Sweet 16, and I think they have a ceiling of the Elite Eight. That's just, I just, oh. that's just that they're, they're going to be right there and they're just going to choke again. It's just, this is Purdue basketball. I don't know why we're acting <laughs> different. Sorry, Boilermakers. Sorry, you're still mad you lost out on Brandon Dawson a few years ago. You know, I, I just, just, this is where we're at. I'm just not 100% sold on the Boilermakers being a national title contender for me yet. I think they got MSU back, though. I think they got MSU back for Dawson by getting Swanigan over MSU. They, Yeah, you're right. They did redeem themselves a little bit on that one. So, Next, we have Rutgers, 4-2, and 10-6 right now. Ceiling, Final Four. What? I love this Rutgers team. Yes, yes. Steve Pickle is knows how to get the boys going. Geo Baker is a winner. He's been grinding his teeth. He's ready for the moment. That's their ceiling, though. I'm not saying they're going to make it. They're going to make the tournament, though. Their floor, tough round of 32 loss to, to a good team. Ceiling, Final Four. That's That's my somewhat hot take but i like this Rutgers team a lot I, I love the Rutgers love i really appreciate that ceiling i'll be a little more tempered i could see him being a sweet 16 team they're a sweet 16 team last year if i'm recalling so am i recalling second round yeah i, was gonna, I don't round. think they made they won their first they lost game to, off the second yeah they lose to tech i think i think texas tech i'm pretty sure sounds about right i just might just be misremembering but yeah i think they Go a step further. I think they do Sweet 16 or first round exit. I think they make the tournament, but I, I like the final four. I like the final four thing. That's, that's, I enjoy that. I'm not as bold as as Jared. I have to kind of stick with Ryder on this one. I, he kind of nailed it on the head for me. I think they're gritty. Love we'll see people doing. I think he's doing a great job. I think he's going to continue to do a good job at Rutgers. He is a good coach. This is a fact, not an opinion. So we'll see how this goes. Ohio State, 11-4, and 5-2 and in conference. I mean, they're right up there with Michigan for being one of the weirdest teams in the country. Just no they, – they do not know what the word consistency means. Some days they dominate defensively. Some days they put up 95 points. And they're all close games. No matter what they do, it's usually a close game. I'm going to say absolute max ceiling is probably Sweet 16 and then first-round exit for their floor. I'm going to go ceiling. <laughs> this team could win a national title. I think they could, but it, it gets like Jared said, consistency. If they get hot in March and they defend really well, it's, they're going to be a tough, tough out. Um, maybe I'm a little biased, longtime Buckeyes fan, but floor, I don't know. Floor could be another first round exit. I mean, it, they show up flat. I mean, this is a team that, yes, it's the first game of the season, but I mean, they took me to a buzzer beater or a last second shot to beat Akron. It, yeah. It could happen again. So I'll take it at that. Yeah. Floor first round exit. I think the ceiling, I think this can be a final four team. They, when they're hot, they are hot. When they play well, they're, they're a very damn good basketball team. Love what Liddell's doing. I think he, like how young they got a group of dudes who can go out and play basketball. So I think they're a final four kind of team, but they could very easily lose in the first round once again. 
let's skip over Michigan State for right now. We'll, we'll do Wisconsin, Illinois, and we'll end with Michigan State. So we have Wisconsin, 14 and 2, 5 and 1 in conference. Ceiling, national championship game ending in heartbreak to Kentucky. Floor, second round exit. I think Johnny Davis, I think Johnny Davis is the best player in the country, at least to this point. And he'll get them to the tournament, keep them as like a top four team in the Big Ten for sure. And Greg Gard's really good too. I like Wisconsin as the final four team. It seems like Greg Gard has fixed some of the problems that he had in the past. So I'll take that as my ceiling. Johnny Davis is obviously a beast. Ty Wall's been having a good presence. And yes, unfortunately, Brad Davidson is having a nice year of his own. His reign of terror will be over soon though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, geez. But uh, yeah, I'll go. Floor, I think Floor would be Sweet 16. I think that's the tightest margin I've picked for like one of the upper Big Ten teams. But yeah, they're a really good basketball team. Gonna need some things to swing their way, but I like them. I like this team to make the Sweet 16 as a floor. I just think they're really consistent. I think they have a great squad about them. I don't think this is a team that loses early. I just think they're pretty consistent. And I think that, but I don't see much more of an increase in that either. I just think Elite Eight, Final Four, I just think it's where they're kind of at. Let's go with the Illini. Ceiling, definitely Final Four national, like could get to the national championship. Kofi Coburn's one of the best players in the Big Ten and in the country. Curbelo's nice. That freshman plumber is nice. And then their floor, I mean, it's still Illinois. So you got to take that into account. So I, Heartbreaking upset in the first round. I'll go ceiling elite eight. I think they're very, they're obviously very good. I mean, you saw that today watching the Purdue Illinois game, but Kofi's good. I like Trent Frazier a lot. He's good. He's good. He's fun to watch. And Curbella being back, it's a huge key there. But yeah, I think, I don't think they're talented enough to make to the final four. I do think they will be around the elite eight, but play somebody tight and then probably lose that game. And then I don't think they get upset. They got upset in the second round last year, right? Yeah. I, I do not call that one an upset with that Loyola Chicago team, though. That, that was some of You're the worst right, yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. So I upset. I, I, I could see in floor losing in the first or second round. So I, I think this is a team who, at a minimum, makes the Sweet 16. Kofi Coburn is somebody who's really difficult to guard unless you have the right guy. You have to have the right guy to kind of guard him. I think they have a group of guards between Plummer as a freshman, Trent Frazier, Corvallo's back. I think they have a really good group of guards who can all really shoot the ball well. I think this is a team who, if they're playing their best basketball, can win a national championship. I think they can do it. Um, you know, I, I have concerns about Kofi Coburn as, you know, a nat- being the team that can win a national title around him. Today's basketball is just not meant to win around a big man of his type anymore. So we'll see if they can do it. But I think if there's a guy who can do it, it's him, and especially with this group of guards around him, because it's not just about Coburn. This team has a really good group of guards. When they're going, they're going. So let's wrap up with Michigan State. Right now, third in conference, five and one in conference, 14 and three on the year. This Michigan State team reminds me a lot of the 2015 team that went to the Final Four and got absolutely destroyed by Duke, who was the eventual national champions. I I don't know if they have a guy like Travis Trice that can sort of just turn it on and carry them through the tournament like what happened in 2015, 
And for that reason, I'm going to say their ceiling is Sweet 16 slash Elite Eight second weekend, and their floor is first round exit. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of in that same boat. A lot can change in this last stretch of games, and I think a lot will change, but need to go to guy to emerge, need something in that capacity. And I mean, 14 and a half turnovers per game. It's just getting hard to watch at this point. And I think they'll take care of it, but needs to happen sooner rather, needs to happen sooner rather than later. So I'll go one up you, Jared. I'll go ceiling, elite eight, and then I'll go same floor as you first round exit. I just think they have a ceiling of the second round right now. Um, I think that this is a team that is going to have around like a five, four to six seed by the time we get down to it. And I just, I, I think they just, this is a team that I don't see them resolving the turnover issues. I mean, the last few years, when you get down to March, you had Cassius Winston handling the ball. I mean, a year ago, they never figured it out really. And I don't really see them figuring it out this year. And I think once you get into that second round, they're going to face some higher talent. I don't see them getting upset in the first game to like a middle Tennessee state situation too much, but I don't see them like, I, I just don't see them beating team in March. If you're turning the ball over like that, I just don't see it. So I'm going to say they can, they're going to have a ceiling in the second round at this point, but if they can figure out that point guard situation and one of them could just be a consistent guy, Tyson Walker, AJ Hogard, UJ Nakins later in the year, they have to do something. Maybe he can be a little bit more. I just, I don't see them figuring until they figure out those turnover issues and can get a guy like maybe Max Christie, Gabe Brown to be that consistent offensive force. Just not seeing it right now. Those are all very valid concerns for sure. But time will tell. We got another half of the Big Ten season to go. We'll catch you guys here soon, I'm sure, with some more Ben's basketball breakdowns. Pleasure talking with you both. And we will catch you guys on the pod next time. Thanks for having us, Eli. Thanks.